0: Thank you. (laughs) Put this in his way. Good morning. morning. My name is Ben. I'm the director of worship arts, and I'm very proud of these guys this morning. This is really good. So, So, uh, some time ago, um, we're talking in one of our staff meetings. And the topic of money and giving and generosity came up, uh, partly because we're celebrating how generous Highlands is. So and at the same time, we realized, wow, we kind of haven't talked, we haven't preached about it for a while. And uh, so me being the bright person I am said, oh, do it. <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I would say I don't know why, but I do know why. I'm passionate about this because it makes such a big difference in our church and our, and our community. Um, and, and Natasha and I have gone through a lot and, and, uh, this topic and learned a lot about things like, uh, little things like, what do you do when all of a sudden you work for a church and do you tithe? Do you not, you know, like, it's just been a different road for us in our marriage and maybe some other time I can share more about, uh, that story. Um, and before you get too worried and think, oh great, a sermon on tithing, glad I showed up today. Um. (laughs) glad he's preaching after we pass the plate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let me clarify a few things. Uh, I'm kind of talking about that today. I won't get around it. This is maybe kind of a tough subject this morning, but I love you enough to tell you the truth, and sometimes that's refreshing. Um, But um, I'm not particularly talking about like passing the plate and tithing today. It's much bigger than that for me, Um, I'm going to be talking about it a lot more generally today. Um, I also want to just point out that I know many of you in this room do get this message because Highlands would not exist if it weren't for the generosity of the people in this community. So if anything you hear me saying today makes you think, oh, he's discouraged, doesn't think we give anything, we're not generous, that's not what I'm saying. Um, Some of you get this for sure. I know that you get this. And that brings me to my, my last point that I want to make it clear that concerning tithing, um, I personally don't have access to that on purpose. I don't want to know what any of you give or don't give. Um, and I'm saying that to let you know that should we catch eye contact anytime during this message, <laughs> you don't think I'm talking to you, okay? I'm hoping this is an encouraging, empowering message about stuff, about money, about possessions. And so before I get started to kind of level the playing field, um, let me help you understand why I've taken more of a general approach to today's topic with a few facts and stats. And the first fact is this, that despite what we think, most American Christians do not like letting go of their money. I'm certain that's not any of you but let me read you some statistics. Okay, these are facts. These aren't just things I made up. This is the first one. It says, American Christians control 70% of the world's Christian wealth, but the average American Christian gives away only 2.6% of their income. It got quiet. (laughs) Fact number two is that most Christians don't really give away what they say they do. Now, I'm not just talking about tithing. I'm talking about just everything, because tithing is bigger than a tithe check. Here's the other stat. Christians often hold up 10% as the benchmark for what you should give away, yet 96% of American Christians admit that they give away less than that every year. So because of those things, if you ask me, this is a much bigger issue than tithing, and that's why I'm not really focusing on that today. I figured I'd just get that T word out of the way, and I don't have to say it so much after this. But the truth is, the practice of generosity as a whole is fading in America and it's fading in the church. We've got a huge misunderstanding of the word generosity. Here are some helpful quotes from Eleanor Roosevelt. Since you get more joy out of giving to others, you should put a good deal of thought into the happiness that you're able to give. Here's another one Think of giving not as a duty, but as a privilege. That guy had a few bucks. <laughs> we make a. This is my favorite. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Winston Churchill. Isn't that amazing? We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Okay, I'm going to pray, <laughs> and then we'll dig into the text. God, we thank you this morning. Thank you that you have blessed this church with a, an identity of generosity. God, um, help us as we dig into this sensitive topic to just hear truth from you and and understand that the truth that you lay on us is for our good, that um, you want to set us free, and you want us to uh, follow you in all the areas of our life. So help us to understand it in that way this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we dig into the lovely book of Deuteronomy. Um, Let me set this up a bit because the the word Deuteronomy, it it comes from a Greek word for the second law or the, the law repeated. And in this book, Moses is writing a series of speeches to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab right before they enter the land of Canaan, the promised land. So Moses' purpose was to remind them of God's law and everything that God had done for them. And every promise that God had made for them. And because of that, Moses is explaining to them that their new life in Canaan is, is going to be different. That their life here is going to be blessed or cursed depending on their ability and desire to follow God. So these words were spoken to them in the last month of the final year of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. This is 40 years after they left Egypt. Egypt. And here it is, Deuteronomy 15, starting in 4. However, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, He will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as He promised. And you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. (coughs) America. You will rule... (laughs) Sorry. A little political cough there. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought the seventh year the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow israelites and give them nothing so they're saying every 7 years every debt was canceled and they're saying don't say well that's coming up so i'm not going to help them cuz i mean they'll be fine you know like it's 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 like us kind of going am they're probably getting a tax return so i'm not going to help them give generously oh no i, I skipped the big one here Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year of the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work, And in everything you put your hand to, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Now, I imagine that after 40 years of wandering in the desert with nothing except what you can carry, you might start to hang on to those things a little bit tightly. You might start to develop a very tight grip around the few possessions that you Own because living in the desert is hard. I don't even want to live in Barstow, you know. (laughs) I've got an uncle out there, out of town, Newberry Springs, and it's like the Wild West. The desert is tough on you. You get what you fight for, and you better hang on to what you've got because if you leave it out at night, I mean, either the wind's going to blow it away, the sun's going to ruin it, or even the cold, it gets freezing in the desert. So before these people enter the promised land they've been waiting 40 years for, God interrupts through Moses and he says, when you enter this place, you will begin a new way of life. Not when you enter this place. Here's something I want you guys to think about doing. He's saying, when you enter this new place after 40 years of struggling and hanging tightly to everything you've got, you're gonna start making homes, you're gonna start building a community. You gotta let go of that habit of hanging on to everything and this has got to be a new way of life for you guys. It's not a new thing you do. It's a new way of life. And so here's where we focus today. In Deuteronomy 15:7 and 8, again, it says, If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites, if any of the towns of the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Now, this was written to the Israelites. These are God's chosen people, of the Old Testament to foreshadow the new Israel which is who? Us. So you could just as easily read it like this since I believe that that scripture was true for them but it's also true for us you could say if anyone is poor among your fellow highlanders in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God has given you do not be hard hearted or tight fisted toward them. But the trouble is the nation of Israel was huge and it probably would be a bad idea to assume that every single person in the nation of Israel was a devout believing person so you could probably back off even in another set or another step and say if anyone's poor among your fellow Paso in any of the towns of the land your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them rather be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Now, why would God ask his people to live this way? The reason is because it's, because it's just as strange then as it is now. And the world doesn't operate this way, does it? Sometimes it feels like God is, is trying to play like the opposite game with us, the advice he gives us on how to live. He says things like, if you want to receive, give. If you want to gain your life, Lose it. The last shall be. Don't hate your enemies. Love your enemies. These kinds of things are the things that separate the followers of God from the rest of the world. In fact, it's it's the salt. That's what makes us attractive as a community to the rest of the world because it's different. It's opposite. Um, most people do not live that way, putting others first and just trusting God. Christians do. Take a look at this video clip. This is amazing.
1: Well, Chick-fil-A employees in Texas thought they were out of a job when the local restaurant closed her renovations there, but they got the shock of their lives when their boss called them up telling all 50 employees, not only will you still get paid, you're also getting a raise at the boss's own expense. Here to share this one amazing story is Chick-fil-A owner Jeff Glover and seven-year employee Andy Gallegos. We thank you both for being here. Jeff, I'd love to start you. with you. Your 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 store's closed for five months and you decide right. you're gonna pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to your employees while not taking any pay home. Why did you decide to do this?
0: These employees are the Super Bowl champions of Chick-fil-A employees. Uh, they're they're excellent at what they do. They've got great chemistry, great teamwork, and I did not want to open this restaurant without them. I would be a fool
1: to lose them. Well, Andy, you're one of those em- employees that he is speaking of um, in such high regard. When not only did, did your boss say he's going to pay you during the five months you couldn't work, but he also gave everybody a raise by $1. What did it mean to you when Jeff did this, Andy?
0: It was pretty awesome. It was was awesome. I was excited. I was happy to be part of the team here at Chick-fil-A.
1: Without a doubt. Jeff, I have to ask, when you went home and told your family and your wife, you've got two kids I read, that you were going to not get paid for five months, did they think you had lost your marbles?
0: No, not at all, because they knew in exchange for that, we're going to be able to keep this team. Um, That allows me to be a a husband and a father and and still have the Chick-fil-A, and I've got time for all of that because of this great team that's looking after my interests. So uh, she was very much in support of Uh, doing this. Good woman. She says, good woman there. I think it was kind of interesting how she assumed that his wife wasn't going to follow along and agree with it. And it's like, yeah, you probably better be on the same page about that. Um, Do those employees like going to work? Is Chick-fil-A like your dream job? Probably not. Maybe now. But here's the point. Most businesses do not run this way. Most people do not run their businesses this way. Christians do. Do. Christians do. So I've got three points to help you guys uh, run toward generosity this morning. And the first point is very basic. And it says this, nothing is yours, everything is God's. Repeat after me. Nothing is yours, everything is God's. James 117 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. When you stop looking at what you have as yours, it's a whole lot easier to let go, isn't it? I've got kids. One of their first words was, mine. I didn't have to teach them that. I didn't have to sit them down and say, look, these kids want to play with you, but you are going to refuse. I didn't have to teach them that. So number one is simple. Nothing is yours, everything is God's. That's the foundation. Number two, people are more important than stuff. Check this quote out. Here's a punch in the gut. Go ahead, Jim. God gives us people to love and things to use, not things to love and people to use. (laughs) Some of our culture actually is starting to get this. And unfortunately, it's not the church that's leading the way on this. It's a whole next group of millennials who have sold all their possessions and are moving into these things called tiny houses. They're refusing to spend their lives accumulating stuff and having no time for relationships. If you watch these stories on Discovery or wherever these shows are on, it's basically what they all say. They say, I'm just tired of living my life to pay a mortgage or pay off debts, and I, we're choosing to do this, so then we work half as much, and we spend all this time with our family, and we travel the world. They get it, because unfortunately, they grew up with a whole set of parents who did nothing but work, 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 work. Sorry, honey, I don't have time for you. And the next generation is saying, I don't want anything to do with that. Let's buy a 20-foot long trailer and live in it with kids. (laughs) That's how insane this is. (laughs) People are more important than stuff. If you know somebody that has a need, God cares more about their need than he cares about the thing that you want to have. God cares more about somebody's need than whatever you're paying to have in storage. That is the, sorry, I know, I know. (laughs) People are more important than stuff. Okay, Um, this last uh, point, I want to teach you by way of example. Uh, And so I need a volunteer that's not afraid to come up onto the stage with me. Who wants to come up? It involves money, but you can't keep it. Yeah, come on up. It's a little bit dark, so... Tell me your name. I'm Terry. Terry, hi, I'm Ben. Hi, Ben. This is Terry. Okay. Yeah, you can stand right there. And, and this is what I want to do, okay? I, I want you to... Uh, here's a $10 bill. It's mine. If you, if you catch it, well, I still need it. Um <laughs> I know that's terrible, but I only have one. I want to try something with you, and I want you to, to close your fist like this, okay? And you can't, like, wedge it and, like, you know. I'm going to toss this to you, and I want you to try to catch it in your palm with your hand closed. Ready? I'll give her three tries. You know, you know what? If she, if she does catch it, she can keep it. Someone else will give me 10 bucks for next service. I think my wife will be here. Here's the second one. Pretty close. We're getting there. The first one was better.
1: Yeah, it's a lot better. You tossed it.
0: I'm s- t- okay. T- I'm sorry. Okay. Here, I'll make it easy. Oh, that was close. <laughs> it's down there. Oh yeah. Can you? Yeah. I, I might feedback. Thank you so much. Okay, you are done. Thank you very much. That was amazing. You did a great job. Okay. Oh wait wait. No. wait, 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 wait. No. I, I, open your hand. Open your hand. Here, catch it. Yeah. Look at that. Let's give her a hand. Yes, thank you very much. Here's here's point number three. (laughs) It's hard to catch things when your hand is closed. And unfortunately, the Bible teaches that when you close your hand to your brother, you also close it to God. Verse 10 says, Give generously to them and do not and, and do so without a grudging heart, then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. When you close your hand to the needs of your fellow brothers and sisters, guess who else your hands are closed to? God, everything he wants to give to you. Now, if you live your life in a way with your open hands and you give freely and you let go of things because they're not yours, they're, they're God's. Well, guess what? Your hands are open and ready to catch what he's got for you. That's perhaps the biggest point of this message, that when you close your hand to your brother, you also close it to God. But if you open your hand and you live that way with your hands open to your brother, they're also open for what God has for you. It's sobering. Here's another way to say this. In Proverbs 11, uh, 24 and 25, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly But comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When you open your hand to your brother, you open it to God. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, this is not a a health wealth kind of sermon. Okay? I'm not I'm not trying to preach to you a formula to to get rich because it really doesn't have anything to do with that. This is about learning how to live richly. And those are two completely different things. Let's name some ways you can be rich outside of money. Friends, family, conscience, (laughs) confidence, influence, respect, love. All those things come out of living your life with an open hand the people around you. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It doesn't say how, it's it's general. And I, can, I, I can't count the times in my life where I've been encouraged to let something go that I really want to hang on to, and the next week I had a different need and it was just filled. And Natasha and I have noticed in our life that the tighter we hold on to everything we've got, the less... Blessing and help seems to come into our lives. When we adopt the attitude of, of an open hand in our life, from everything from our friends to our family to the Denny's waiter to everybody, God takes care of all of our needs. So we just focus on that one thing. That's it. We just try to say yes when we can. This is one of those verses where I think God is kind of saying to us, Guys, don't don't rob your own joy. <laughs> He's saying, everybody else on the earth is gonna live life looking out for number one, but not my people, not my people, not you. You're going to give, and then you're gonna trust me to take care of you. That's what he says. Generosity is about trusting God, and here's where it all comes together. Here's how to apply this. You remember that opposite game that I referred to? Well, the... God works in opposite weird ways it's the truth and it's to our advantage because basically what God says is that if you spend your life focusing on blessing others God will direct his attention to blessing you if you will bless out God will bless in if you will be a giver God will be a giver to you that's how it works the Israelites spent a really long time in the desert. And, and we go through those same kind of desert periods in our life, experiences, the way maybe we, we grew up, um, things happen to us. And it can really cause us to be tempted to live extremely tight-fisted with everything we've got. It can turn us into people that just hang on to everything and don't live with open hands. Don't do that. As God gave his people that warning in Deuteronomy, it's still true today. If you live open-handed, if if you refresh others, he will refresh you. Now, again, don't hear me wrong on this. This, I'm talking about money, and there's a reason Jesus talked a lot about money, because we get money. We get it. But it's really not the focal point of this message. And here's why. Why? This message still applies to the over half of the people on earth who make less than $2.50 a day. It's about generosity. Most of you in this room make more than they do in a year and a week. It's like 900 bucks. And unfortunately, that's part of the problem. We have so much... And when we have so much, it's hard to have any empathy for people who don't because you got what you got because you worked really hard, maybe. But here's my point, and this is your last blank in your bulletin. Being rich has nothing to do with living generously. Being rich has nothing to do with living generously. This is a heart problem. This is a heart issue that affects everything. It affects our neighbor. When we live closed-handed, it affects our neighbor. It affects our family, our brother, our churches. And so my challenge for you today is to open your hand to those around you. Open your hands and be ready to catch everything God has for you. Because when we don't do that, especially us in the church When we live closed-handed, everyone loses. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's pray. God, this is a hard truth um, because it's hard for us to let go of our possessions. We find comfort in these things. We, um, we find identity in these things. And God, we know we're not supposed to. God, help us to realize that nothing is ours, everything is yours. Help us to live in a way where we can freely and joyfully give to those around us. God, that especially at this church, in this city, that you would bless us with a spirit of generosity that makes people go, what are they doing? God, we want to be other than as a church. We want to stand out. God, help us to use this as a way to stand out. Help us to live with open hands to you and open hands to our brothers and our sisters in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.